This is the Whole Nine Draft Podcast, brought to you by Whole Nine Sports. Here are your hosts, Josh Berg and Alex Katzen. Welcome back, guys, to the Whole Nine Draft Podcast. How about that new intro, huh? Uh, pretty sweet deal. Uh, we are back from hiatus, finally, after a good two months or so. Uh, before we get into what we're going to do today, we did want to address why we went on hiatus in the first place, because uh, we didn't really let you guys know anything about uh, we were going to be taking a break or anything like that, and obviously it was right around the draft. Um, those of you that have been following us for a long time may know that Josh and I are both essential workers during the pandemic that's going on right now. Uh, Josh is in the restaurant industry, I'm in the service industry, Um, and so things have been, I think, stressful at best and uh, near unbearable at worst. So at the end of the day, it just got too stressful with everything else that was happening. Our schedules were changing every single day. Uh, Things got just too crazy for us, and we had to just kind of shut it down and take a mental health break. And... uh, kind of figure things out for ourselves. But uh, we're very excited to be back, uh, very excited for what we have in store for 2021 for you guys for the next year or so. Uh, Josh and I are working on a joint draft guide that's going to come out um, towards the end of the process. Um, we're really excited for stuff we're going to be doing with the podcast, some new segments we have in the pipeline. Obviously, you heard the new intro already. Um, going to try to get some interviews down this year, uh, a lot more guests. It's going to be a great time. We're really, really excited. And uh, so thank you guys for joining us. Um, If it's the first time you're listening to us, thank you for tuning in. If you're coming back from hiatus with us, thank you guys for supporting us all the way through. Um, We have a really fun episode planned today. Uh, Josh and I are joined by Evan Mead, fellow Whole Nine Sports contributor. Um, And the three of us are going to talk about our favorite draft classes from 2020. Uh, We each picked two. um, And we're going to get into that in just a second but before we do make sure that you are following us on twitter uh find the show at wn draft pod you can find me on twitter at alex katzen that's katzen with a k find josh on twitter at joshberg 0611 and you can find evan on twitter at wns underscore evan and obviously make sure you follow whole nine sports at whole nine sports on twitter as well go to whole sports.com we've had some really good articles come out in the last couple of weeks make sure you're reading those as always and i think we're ready to get into it how you guys doing today tired but i'm always tired but i'm happy to be back it's it's it was uh you know taking a break was difficult i know for both of us um because you know we love doing this and we love the draft yeah. and taking the break right when the draft was you know getting into high gear was definitely hard for us but we had a lot of priorities that we had to uh, set in order and i'm just i'm stronger than ever better than ever and i'm ready to keep on grinding you know for the 2021 season yeah definitely it was just a lot of a lot of circumstances that all piled up at once it was just a lot to take in evan how are you welcome to the show pretty good i can't complain um i'm happy to be on the podcast with these guys uh just excited uh have the great episode get out to you guys sweet all right let's get right into it then um we will start with josh i have decided right now great so uh the nfl draft i think this year was one of the more fun experiences that i had um 
you know, I was uh, with Evan for the majority of the, of the uh, process, and you know, he and I sat down and we were, you know, being idiots and we were watching the whole nine draft live stream because my Wi-Fi decided to cut out, so I couldn't join the stream with Ross, Dylan, and Alex and Brandon. Um, and I think the team that I personally, when I went through and looked back and review and gave my highest draft grade to was the Baltimore Ravens. Now, it's no secret uh, that Balt the Baltimore Ravens have had a significant history of drafting really well, um, obviously with Ozzie Newsome, um, always finding really late hidden gems and getting uh, really good quality starting players um, no matter where in the draft. And obviously now they got the new uh, regime with Eric DaCosta, and he did a really, really good job. At pick uh, 28, they got Patrick Queen, which I didn't think he was going to be there at 28. And I think that Alex and I can both agree that for the majority of the entire process, I think Evan as well, we kind of mocked the Ravens to take a inside linebacker that could be the middle of their defense, the captain of their defense. Throughout the majority of the process, whether it was Kenneth Murray or Patrick Queen or Jordan Brooks, we, we found a linebacker to fit in Baltimore because they missed C.J. Mosley um, last year when he departed for the Jets in free agency. They missed having that guy in the middle. And Patrick Queen, I think, is a great uh, scheme fit for this team. He's a very high IQ player, very versatile player as well. I think he's he was a great pick in round one about the value where I had him in the draft. But my favorite pick was in round two when they took J.K. Dobbins. Um, having Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram in that backfield already um, makes it one of the better backfields in the entire league. And now you add dual threat in J.K. Dobbins. Instead of having a 1-2 punch, they have a 1-2-3 punch at running back um, in the backfield. And then Lamar Jackson being um, the threat with his legs that he is. Baltimore solidified itself. They want to run the football. They want to get the ball. Um, they don't want to have Lamar Jackson throwing the ball 40 times. They want to dominate time of possession, um, run the ball. And I think Dobbins will give Mark Ingram his Alvin Kamara-esque uh, running mate. Now you're going to have the 1-2 punch um, that has made Mark Ingram, who's had the majority of his career, has been, you know, a tandem running back with someone else. So now he's going to have J.K. Dobbins in the backfield, I think is a phenomenal um, fit. Round three, they also got two really good values. Uh, Justin Matabuke, who was a top 50 player on my board, they got him at 71. Really good interior pass rusher, as he had uh, five and a half sacks as a sophomore, and then he had 22 tackles for loss as a uh, combined over his sophomore and junior season. Um, him, Calais Campbell, Brandon Williams on the interior defensive line. I think that's going to be a nice rotation for them. And they got Devin DuVernay. Um, the Ravens really desperately needed a slot receiver to kind of go tandem with Marquise Brown going down uh, down the sideline, being their deep threat. Now you've got Devin DuVernay, who was one of the better slot receivers in the entire draft. And then they went back six picks later and got Malik Harrison, who was my linebacker five, I believe. Um, top 70 player on my board, and they got him at 98. So what the theme here with Baltimore was they got a lot of great value picks uh, early on. And then what they did on day three, they added a lot of depth pieces. So they added Ben Bredesen, who throughout the process was one of my favorite interior offensive linemen um, throughout the process. He was consistently a top three, top four at his position. Um, James Prochet, which I know Alex and I both – can agree here that we fell in love with him at the senior bowl um he was constantly a riser for us getting him in the sixth round was an absolute steal 
And then Geno Stone in round seven was another great steal. So I think I'm a big fan of value, not reaching for players and finding players that fall to you. Baltimore did an incredible job throughout all three days at excuse me at finding value, and that's why that they had the best draft class for me. Yeah, Baltimore's class was definitely one of the best. I remember during the live stream, every time Baltimore came up to pick, they'd pick a player and you'd just be like, God, how is that guy still available? Every single time. And it was the most annoying thing about the draft for me. Not that I disliked the Ravens at all. It was just like every single player that I was really, really into ended up going to Baltimore this year, and it was insane. Um, Evan, let's go to you next. Uh, Who's your first team that you wanted to talk about? Alright, so I did some viewing of the NFL draft and what I got marked down and one of the teams that stood after me was actually the Denver Broncos. Um, the Broncos have a young quarterback with Drew Locke, a gunslinger, but they need to protect him and that's exactly what they started to do within this draft. At pick 15, they selected Jerry Judy, the wide receiver from Alabama who was most people's consensus wide receiver one, one of the best route runners we've seen. He's quick on his feet, good footwork. He has great hands. The only thing I really had knocked against him was he had a lot of body catches. And when that's one of the major concerns is the fact that he body catches the ball quite often, that just goes to show how talented of a receiver he is. And then to line him up on the other side of Cortland's son, that's a deadly wide receiver, one and two. So it was a great pick there. But then you move down to the second round, and they selected a slot receiver with K.J. Hamler, the wide receiver from Penn State. A lot of people were not too thrilled about this pick because most people were a little bit more down on him than I was. But I think he's going to be a very good fit here. He's a good slot receiver. He's quick. He's shorter, so he's going to do a lot of underneath routes, which fits what they're probably going to try to run him with. They'll probably send Corlin Sutton and Jerry Judy out wide. Uh, let KJ Hamler run underneath routes and create a more dynamic offense with a lot of different threats on that offense. So after that, they went down with Michael Ojemedia at pick 77 in the third round, the cornerback from Iowa. We actually got to take a closer look at him at the Senior Bowl, and he was one of the guys that caught my eye. Although I did think at this point they probably had other needs, so I wasn't too thrilled about this pick. They needed to find another cornerback to replace Chris Harris. They did get it away, but adding another cornerback with Michael Ojemedia, I think that's a pretty good pick there, and he'll be able to fit well into that Denver defense. Uh, they have the defensive coordinator, um, Vic Fangio, who did really well in Chicago, and he's looking to improve the defense here in Denver. He's going to be a pretty good defensive player. Are you going to coach him up a little bit? They got a lot of good defensive pieces there, and he's just another small piece to that big puzzle. With the next pick, and they actually had a pretty good draft, especially with this pick here, which was one of my favorite picks altogether, with Lloyd Cushenberry in that round. That was a very, very good pick. I had Lloyd Cushenberry as a graded first-round player, but a late first round, and they ended up getting him in the mid-third round. The value there was insane, and with the struggling offensive line with not many good offensive lineman to block and protect Drew Locke in the running game. Lloyd Cushenberry can immediately come into that offense and just add more layers of protection for Drew Locke, help improve the running game with three really good running backs on the roster right now. It was just an amazing pick right there. 
I that was one of my favorite picks in this entire draft. So one of the worst picks that I saw, and they had a lot of third rounders as I'm seeing now, was third pick ninety five with McTelvin at Gene. The defensive tackle from Arkansas. That was one of my it wasn't one of my favorite picks in the draft. I think that they could have found someone a little bit better. Um he still is a pretty solid rounded player. He just doesn't have anything about him that really stands out on film to me. Uh, he's going to be a guy who I think may struggle a little bit going up to the next level just because of the reason that he doesn't have anything that makes him stand out or dominant. And going from Arkansas to the next level, he's going to take quite a bit of coaching to transition well. All right, so with the next pick that I wanted to talk about today was Tyree Cleveland, the wide receiver for Florida that they actually took in the seventh round. And he was one of my top twenty receiver, top thirty receivers in this draft class, which may not sound like a lot, but with how deep this draft class was, it's actually quite saying something right there. Terry Cleveland, we got to see at the Senior Bowl as well, one of one of the receivers that I wanted to try to keep an eye on, just because I saw the potential that he could bring. And with a depth pick here, with an already really good receiving core now, I think that that was a very good value pick right there. All right, Alex. All right, yeah. Uh, we talked about right before recording that the Broncos draft class was extremely good, and the reason why I didn't talk about it is because <laughs> I'd rather die than talk about the Denver Broncos. Um, but the team that I did pick to, pick to talk about first is another team that I am not the biggest fan of, but I cannot argue with the results they came away with in this year's draft, and that's the Dallas Cowboys. Um, so obviously – with pick 17, they ended up picking up C.U. Lamb, who fell all the way to them. Uh, I think one of the major shockers of the first day of the draft, uh, Lamb was my wide receiver too, but like by the slimmest margin possible. Uh, him and Jerry G were basically tied for me. Me as well. And that's going to be a incredible fit next to Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, who people are still underrating somehow and I every day I log on to Twitter and people are talking about how Michael Gallup is still underrated and it's insane um, but it and it works out really well for Dallas as well because if Amari Cooper leaves after this year um, I don't think they've gotten a contract extension done with him yet then CeeDee Lamb can take over as the number one uh, without much issue and that'll be a pretty seamless transition for them uh, in the second round they, do, they did go with Trevon Diggs who is a noted moral enemy of this podcast. Um, <laughs> Josh and I my, weren't the biggest keep fans my mouth shut. of Diggs, uh, to say the least. But I think that grabbing him at 51 isn't the worst thing in the world. They needed a corner pretty badly after Byron Jones left in free agency. And so at least they picked one because <laughs> uh, there were a lot of teams in this draft that had a bunch of needs that just didn't address them at all. Cough, cough, Green Bay. Um <laughs> So at least they picked one up. I think Trevon Diggs has the potential to be good. Uh, he may not be good right away, but he, the tools are all there. Uh, he has the NFL pedigree. It's not an awful pick to me. Uh, in the third round, they went back to the Oklahoma well and took Neville Gallimore, the defensive tackle. I loved this pick so much, um, both because I was a big fan of Neville Gallimore. Uh, I think I had him in my top 40. He ended up going at 82 overall, which is nuts. Um, and I think the pairing with him and Demarcus Lawrence in on that defensive line is going to be 
a big boost for them. Uh, they were they brought in a bunch of veterans last year um, and this year actually. They brought in I think Gerald McCoy and Dontari Poe to play defensive tackle for them as well. So they've been trying to find answers along this defensive line for a couple years now, kind of bringing in these older guys. And I think that putting Gallimore in that room with those veterans is going to be really helpful for him. And I think that eventually Dallas is going to find that they have their long-term starter locked down and it's going to be the guy that they picked up here. Uh, In the fourth round, they went with Reggie Robinson, the corner out of Tulsa, um, which again, uh, filling a need with corner, I think, um, a lot of Cowboys fans aren't necessarily happy with the way that Chidobe Awuzie has played. Uh, I think Robinson has a little bit of versatility, can play in the slot as well. Um, so that's nice for them. Get a little bit more secondary help, like I said, with Byron Jones leaving. There's a lot of transition happening in that secondary. Um, they really just need bodies at corner. And Reggie Robinson is a guy that rose very late in the process and everyone kind of caught on to right at the end and then ends up going in the fourth round pretty good value there as well and then they traded back up into the fourth very last pick of the fourth round i think to the compensatory selections and got tyler biatis the center from wisconsin uh, actually traded with the eagles for this pick um, and i know a lot of people were upset on the eagle side of it of like how could you just give the cowboys their next starting center uh, obviously travis redrick retiring left a pretty big hole on that offensive line, but Tyler Biotish in the at the end of the fourth is what I would call excellent value. Um, obviously, Biotish fell down the board a little bit towards the end of the process. Um, you know, there were some concerns that he didn't improve as much as people wanted him to from 2018 to 2019. Um, I And just, there were players that surpassed him, essentially, and so... People were down on him, but I think that he's going to be an effective piece. Um, And I think that with the other talent that Dallas has on the offensive line, it's not going to be an issue for them at all. In the fifth round, they went back to the compensatory selections, and they took Bradley and Nye, the edge out of Utah. And this pick was probably V1 that made me want to pick them to talk about today the most. Bradley and I was my edge 10 and he went at pick 179 overall. I don't know off the top of my head which, like, how many edges went before him because the site I'm looking at has him split up by defensive end and outside linebacker, so it's a little bit difficult to segment. But I know it was more than nine, and uh, it shouldn't have been. Bradley and I had a really good senior bowl week, really good tape. I really liked everything about him. The only knock on him was that maybe he was a little bit undersized, but if you watch the tape, if you look at what he was doing, like, you shouldn't have been concerned about it. And again, adding talent to that defensive line with Neville Gallimore now there, like I said, Gerald McCoy, uh, Dontari Poe, Demarcus Lawrence, there's a ton of talent there. And so now it's just going to be about whether or not Dallas can put it all together and uh, you know establish a defensive line that's going to strike fear into the hearts of opposing quarterbacks at this point, especially with a young quarterback in Washington in Dwayne Haskins, a quarterback that we know is a little bit injury prone at this point in Philadelphia with Carson Wentz, um, with young pieces behind him if in case he does get injured, um, and then also a young quarterback in Daniel Jones in New York. Uh, establishing a very good and very scary defensive line is a key aspect for them, I think, just from an intimidation perspective. 
And then they, they wrapped it up with a seventh rounder, uh, Ben DiNucci, the quarterback out of James Madison. This one was kind of out of nowhere. Um, most people weren't upset about it that I saw. Uh, I think I, I was, I had the reaction that I think was most common, which was, I was just kind of confused. Um, Ben DiNucci isn't a guy that I studied. I studied a ton of quarterbacks that didn't get drafted, uh, but I didn't study DiNucci. But also with the whole Dak Prescott situation that's going on, they didn't really have a backup. Cooper Rush left town. Um, getting someone in just as a body behind Dak, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world. It's a seventh rounder, um, and you're probably just hoping that you can get something else in place, which they ended up doing, uh, signing Andy Dalton later in the offseason. So overall, really good haul for them. Uh, I'm upset about it because, like I said, I don't really like the Cowboys very much. I'm one of the cynical people that doesn't like the whole America's team concept and everything. But a very, very good draft class. I'm very excited to watch it pan out. And, yeah. So we're going to go back to Josh with his second team. Who is that? It's uh, it's the Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals. But before I do that, I want to touch on Dallas real quick. Um, sure. I didn't want to talk about Dallas either because I'm not exactly the whole, you know, on the whole America's team bandwagon thing. Um, but other than Trayvon Diggs, they, they hit it out of the park for me. They got value pretty much at every spot. I also did not watch Ben DiNucci either. It was kind of a shrug for me. Like, all right, whatever. They needed a quarterback um, to back up Dak. But they, they did an absolutely amazing job, Jerry Jones drafting from his yacht. Um, definitely, definitely hit it out of the park. They got a lot of guys that I know you and I, you know, when we were talking back and forth, that we talked about how much we liked a lot of these guys and similarly to Baltimore they just ended up in Dallas they just got a lot of players that we really like fell in love with you know whether watching them in person or on tape um they got a lot of great value and I think one thing that is getting underrated here by them is they they addressed a lot of needs obviously CeeDee Lamb and you know at 17 was kind of a luxury pick um but after that they got a lot of needs to, to fill out the players that they lost in free agency so I think they did an incredible job um I'm going to talk about Arizona for my second team, as I mentioned. Um, They're one of the teams that didn't have so many picks in this draft. They had six, um, but they got value at all six spots based on my board, um, and they did an incredible job. So they started off at pick eight with Isaiah Simmons, which was a pick that I kind of didn't see coming. Um, I, when I, you know, do, I that one mocked. And when I would do mock drafts, um, Arizona was like the one team in the top ten where I wouldn't try to, like, push Simmons I don't know why I just uh it just wasn't a team that popped in my head as you know a fit for Simmons maybe it's because I'm still scarred at the the misuse of Dayon Buchanan but you know Simmons is a lot better than Dayon Buchanan higher upside he's he was my number three or four player um on my board Guy is an absolute stud, so they got incredible value there with their first pick. Then their next pick, they didn't have a second because they traded it for, you know, a top-two receiver in the NFL. Um, yeah, that's fine. It's, it's, I mean, if I want to count that in my draft grade, I will. DeAndre Hopkins at, you know, pick 40, that's that's a steal right there. Um, then you go pick 72 in round three. They took Josh Jones. Josh Jones was a player that I've always really liked in this draft class, and when I saw him sliding past round two, I was absolutely shocked. Um, I know there were some medical concerns. There were also some concerns that he wasn't wouldn't be able to uh, develop into a top-tier tackle that he has the potential to be. Um, but Arizona needs to protect Kyler. Um, their biggest 
issue last year was protection for Kyler. He was running around for his dear life um, a lot last year, and he got hit a lot last year. Josh Jones can be a franchise left tackle if you need him to be. Um, whether they have to plug and play him day one, I'm not sure that's the right way to go. But if he can develop, um, he would be he's an insane value. He was a top 40 to 45 player for me. I can't remember exactly where I had him at. But they got him at pick 72, and it addresses a need. So I absolutely loved that pick. Um, then in round four, they got a pair of defensive uh, tackles. I didn't like that they took two in round four. Um, but Lakey Fotu was a player that I really liked. Um, and if he didn't have the medical issues, he would have gone a lot higher in this draft. And Rashard Lawrence was just a really productive player um, in college. And now we'll get to translate um, you know, to the Arizona Cardinals, who had Robert Kimdichie, who obviously didn't pan out um, on the defensive line. Like I think they have Corey Peters is their other one there. So they've got uh, not ideal guys along the front with uh, Chandler Jones. So now they're gonna he's going to have some interior pressure. Um, my favorite pick, though, from them was round seven. They took Eno Benjamin. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when Eno Benjamin was still available in round five, I was absolutely shocked. I loved what this – uh, this player showed at the Senior Bowl. I loved his film. I thought he was versatile. I thought he was a fun player to watch. And then he fell to round five and round six. And then he fell in round seven. And I thought it was one of the major steals um, in the entire draft. I believe he was a top 100 player for me. Um, I'm not going to do digging here. Don't quote me on that. But he was around 100 to 150 mark for me on my board. And they got him at 222. Incredible value. Um, I think he could be a nice tandem piece with Kenyon Drake. I think they um, will bring a lot of diversity to the offense. So I think Arizona, similarly to Baltimore, just got a lot of really great value with their draft. And with they with the draft capital that they had, they hit on all of their picks. So really like what Steve Keim and Cliff Kingsbury are doing. Um, now it's time to really put this team on – the field and see what they can produce because they're one of my sleeper teams to make a run uh, next year for sure. Yeah, just briefly, as far as the Eno Benjamin thing goes, as soon as he got to like even the fourth round, I was looking at it and I was kind of like, hey, what's what's going on with this? And it was kind of like an unspoken thing on the live stream where we were just like, we're just not going to talk about it because then he'll go to a team that like we want him to go to. So if we mention it, then like he'll end up somewhere. And I know my roommate who's a Jaguars fan kept shushing me every time I brought it up because he was like no the Jaguars are going to take him it's going to be fine don't worry about it and you know so we had there were a bunch of there was a lot of confusion about Benjamin falling that far and I think like you said getting down to the seventh round and picking him up to pair with Kenyon Drake is going to be incredible um, in addition to all the other moves that they made earlier in the draft that worked out very well for them Evan who's your second team that you wanted to talk about so this draft was actually, as far as what they need and what they went out and got, was actually one of the better drafts in my opinion. Um, they did reach for a couple of players, but I still think that this team is, based upon their draft, going to be one of the teams to keep an eye on for one of the most improved. I'm not saying that they're going to make the playoffs this year, but they're definitely in a rebuild, and they could definitely they have a lot of pieces to work with and a lot of young pieces and that team is the Dolphins so the Dolphins they had a smoke screen that was probably one of them it was definitely it had me believing that they were going to take Herbert at five even though I knew that, that was wrong but they didn't they took Tua Tungaveola the quarterback from Alabama and 
I'm not going to touch up on this one a whole lot because this one is, if any sports fans are listening, you know how good of a quarterback prospect this guy is. He does it all. He can move outside the pocket and inside the pocket with great mobility. He has a great arm, accurate with the football. He did have a couple games in some of the bigger games that he didn't look as good as he should have based upon decision-making and his ability to read the field. But this guy's still by far and away one of the best quarterback prospects I've personally scouted. Uh, he has it all. My only major concern with him is if he can stay healthy, which is, for the most part, everybody's concerned with him. And I'm excited to see what he can do if he stays healthy for full season. So they had three first-rounders this year. With their second one, they had Austin Jackson. This pick for me was a little bit of a reach. I personally wouldn't have chosen Austin Jackson at this pick here. I think that was quite a quite a reach. Um, he's an athletic offensive tackle from uh, the University of South Carolina. He, he's extremely athletic, but he's a raw tackle off the edge. However, with them needing offensive line help very, very badly, they just they don't have any protection, and you have to protect Tua. You just have to. He's already injury prone. And you have to do it. And Austin Jackson's young. He's coachable. And I'm excited to see what he can do with his athleticism at the edge. I'm hoping he can make an impact and help protect Tua. But as I said, I think there's a little bit of a reach. He's a pretty raw player all around. But I still think that he could develop into something pretty special. Uh, Noah Igbegani is the next pick. I know Alex really likes this guy. He had only been playing the cornerback position for a couple of years, so he was a pretty raw player, extremely quick. He's able to hang with some of the faster receivers, but he's still a very raw player. I think it was still a little bit of a reach based upon where I had him graded, which was mid-second round, late second round. So I do think it was a bit of a reach, but he still offers a lot of upside due to the athleticism. And you can't coach athleticism, but you can coach the actual ability to learn the defense how to read the offense, and just get to the next level when you're transitioning to the NFL. So the next pick, with pick 39 in the draft, they selected Robert Hunt, at the offensive guard from Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, he's an extremely powerful guard. He was very fun to watch on film with the way he was able to just run people over. He did go to a little bit of a smaller school compared to like TCU, Wisconsin, as I'm just looking down the draft, Georgia, Alabama. He did go to a little bit of a smaller school, but he shows very good fundamentals. He's powerful. He's able to run people over upfield. He gets upfield pretty quick. Uh, he can move a little bit. He's not overly agile, but he's exactly what they're going to need within that offense, offense, which is a guy that can get upfield quick for the run game, and a guy who can pass protect and make sure that he can buy it to a, some time if he uh, starts week one. The next pick was, so some people have very mixed opinions about this guy. I personally thought he was a raw player, but I like the upside that he can bring with his versatility on the line, which was Raekwon Davis, the lineman from Alabama. Uh, he's able to play the interior part of the line and the, um, the edge pretty well. Uh, he's not spectacular at either one, but he's versatile, and if they choose to stick him with the interior or put him in the exterior, he'll be able to be coached a lot better 
I saw on times Raekwon was moving around on the line, which may have stunted his growth a little bit. He did have a really good junior campaign. He struggled a little bit this past year, which kind of ruined his draft stock a little bit from what could have been a first round to a second round. But he was still a re- very good player his junior year, and that's a player that I think the Dolphins were looking to get here. So their next pick was uh, safety from Texas, Brandon Jones, at pick 70, which is a round three pick, their first round three pick. Uh, he was actually one of the safeties I really, really enjoyed watching on film. He's strong, and he can read an offense pretty well. Uh, but he's I expect him to be a strong safety at the next level uh, based upon what he offers on skill set. Uh, he's a more attack-the-ball kind of player. He's not really a coverage uh, safety for the most part, but I'm excited to see what he can do with an improving defense with the signing of Byron Jones. They drafted Noah Begani. They still have Xavier Howard. Uh, that defense is looking to replace Minka Fitzpatrick with some pieces. So I'm excited to see what Brandon Jones can bring to the table there in Miami. So the next one was actually a trade, which I feel is worth mentioning, for Matt Breida. And I don't really have a whole lot to say about it because Matt Breida has always been in a running back committee. He really hasn't gotten a full load, so I'm kind of interested to see how he can hear, handle being more of a go-to running back there in Miami. They do have Jordan Howard, they have Kalen Balazs, but I expect Matt Breida to be their running back one and use Jordan Howard as more of a goal line carry uh, kind of running back. But I'm excited to see what he can do there because he offers great vision, uh, quick feet. He's excited to watch, but he hasn't been a bell cow back, so I'm excited to see what he does there. The next pick was Jason Strobridge, who was actually one of my favorite players at the Senior Bowl. He was extremely talented. He stood out from the moment I saw him on the first play. He shows more developed moves and the ability to get off the block a little bit better than some of the other guys. Uh, I do like his ability that he can play the interior and the exterior of the line pretty well. Uh, I'd like to see him actually transition and stick on the edge just because he's not he's undersized to play interior, but he's perfectly built to play that edge and he's able to get to the quarterback well, but I think you'll have to train him a little bit to get out, get on the outside. So one of the other players I wanted to touch up on here real quick was Curtis Weaver, and I just want to make this one pretty short. I'm not a big Curtis Weaver fan, but the value of this pick here is absolutely just ridiculous. The value here was, it was one of the better picks of the draft as part, far as value goes. Curtis Weaver I had ranked just outside the top 10 for edge rushers and he was on my big board. He was around pick 110 I want to say. I don't have my big board pulled up right in front of me and they got him at pick 164 so the value here is just astronomically great and I'm excited to see what he can bring to the table there in Miami. Um, Yeah Alex what do you got? My other team that I wanted to talk about was the New York Jets uh, sticking in the AFC East. They got some of my favorite players in this draft. Uh, Denzel Mims, James Morgan, uh, even Braden Mann, the punter. Uh, we'll touch on all those. Uh, pick 11, they went with Makai Becton, who was a controversial figure in draft circles, to say the least. Um, huge guy, obviously. 
athletic freak for how giant he is and someone who I wasn't necessarily super high on, but the Jets, again, a lot like the Cowboys when I was talking about them earlier, needed an offensive tackle desperately, filled the need that's more than some other teams did, and so I can't fault them for it. I think Makai Becton could develop really well, um, and with all the other young pieces that they have on that offense, I think that he fits their timeline pretty well. Um, I think I do think, though, at some point that evaluating Sam Darnold and whether or not he's going to be the future of this team is something that they need to consider. And so I would have maybe liked to see them pick a more polished player uh, like Andrew Thomas, who won it for, so actually, but uh, like uh, Tristan Wirfs, rather. Um, someone like that. But I can't fault him too much for it because at 59, they got Denzel Mims, my favorite player in the entire draft. Um, I was convinced he was going to go in the first round. There was a lot of buzz that he was going to go in the late first round, kind of leading up to the draft. He ended up falling all the way to 59. The Jets pick him up. I think it's an excellent move for them because their depth chart at wide receiver is empty. (laughs) Robbie Anderson went to Carolina. They have Jamison Crowder to play the slot. And after that, it's a bunch of nothing. They have Brashad Perriman, if you like that. (laughs) They have Quincy Inunua, who... I don't think he's played more than six games in a season since like 2017. Um, Josh Doxson, if you again, if you like, you know, 2016, 2017, just first round busts, this is the team for you. Um, so Denzel Mims is is going to have a pretty easy path to the starting job, and I think he's going to perform very well. I'm really excited to see him in that offense. Uh, at 68. In the third round, the Jets went with Ashton Davis, who's another player like Lucky Fotu Josh was talking about with the Cardinals. I think Ashton Davis would have gone a lot higher if it wasn't for some injury concerns. Uh, We saw Davis at the Senior Bowl in the sense that he was there. Uh, We didn't actually get to see him play or anything because he was injured. Um, And so, again, the injury concerns, especially with how weird this draft process ended up being, I think kind of tumbled him down boards a little bit. But I think the Jets really capitalized on that strongly. And I think that Davis is going to be a contributing player next to Jamal Adams as long as he can stay healthy. And that's going to be really exciting for them. Uh, With their other third grounder, they went with Jabari Zuniga, the edge out of Florida. Uh, Again, feels a huge need for them. Uh, The depth chart at edge for New York is also completely empty as I'm looking at it right now. Um, It looks like the, the starter, if it wasn't, ESPN has Jabari Zuniga just listed as the starter outright. But if it wasn't him, it'd be uh, Terrell Basham, who isn't good. So works out pretty well for them again. Uh, their fourth round, though, is why I wanted to talk about them the most, I think. So they went with LaMichael Pirine, James Morgan, and Cameron Clark. Uh, Pirine, the running back out of Florida, shout out Brandon, um, performed really well at the Senior Bowl, had a really good Senior Bowl week. I, re- I was a big fan of him. Um, he kind of got lost in the shuffle of this running back class, was kind of stuck in that middle ground. Um, but once you get into the fourth round, it's kind of running back central at this point with the decreasing value of the position. So, like, it's kind of a pick em. And I think the Piran's going to fit really well with Le'Veon Bell. I think that the, the dynamic there is going to be really good. And the Jets brought in Frank Gore, um, who's going to be a great mentor for the Michael Piran because Frank Gore has been around since the dawn of time. And so... 
getting him to teach LaMichael Piron like, hey, here's how you be a professional. Here's how you participate in the NFL, especially if like you're one of those people that still kind of has some concerns about Le'Veon Bell after sitting out the entire season to get out of Pittsburgh um, and the influence that he'd have on that on that sort of room. Like Frank Gore is the ultimate balance for that. Um, not that I'm concerned about Le'Veon Bell as a person or anything like that, but if you are, there's a solution. James Morgan was one of my favorite quarterbacks in the class. Um, I didn't think he was going to go this high, but I was very excited that he did. Uh, went above Jake Fromm, which was a real victory for me because <laughs> I hate Jake Fromm. <laughs> if you've listened to the podcast before, you know that I hate Jake Fromm with a passion. Um Morgan was a guy who I really liked. I think he didn't get enough attention because he played for Florida International, which is in Conference USA. Um, so he wasn't on national TV a whole lot. Wasn't you know in the spotlight at all times. Didn't get the highlight packages on ESPN or anything like that. His, his film was a little bit harder to find. But obviously there's a bunch of super talented guys in the community that do the work, uh, grind on guys that I've never even heard of, and then I pick them up by watching these these youtube cutups so thank you to all those guys that do that and that's how i discovered james morgan and i absolutely loved him i think that he's going to be a great backup to sam darnold someone who again like i was talking about that evaluation process with sam darnold i think needs to at least start being talked about as something that might need to happen um as we get into his you know his third fourth year as the starter there uh, obviously, this year was kind of a crapshoot with the mono and the injuries and everything that happened with him. But Morgan is a really solid guy to have back up that room. We saw the Jets completely fall apart when Darnold wasn't in the game this year with Trevor Simeon. And then after Simeon broke his leg, it was Luke Falk, David Fales. Uh, it was just a mess. And so James Morgan's going to be a really good addition to that room. I'm not totally sure what their plan is with james morgan and with joe flacco now in this room i assume they're going to carry three quarterbacks on the active roster because uh, i can't imagine that they'd be able to sneak morgan down to the practice squad no way so i'd imagine that's their plan either that or uh i don't know off the top of my head what the structure of flacco's contract looks like but you know maybe they'll just try to cut bait on him decide it's not going to work we'll have to see and then cameron clark who another conference usa guy uh, from charlotte another offensive line piece for them the Jets' offensive line was just so bad last year. They just need bodies, just need anybody. They went out and signed Connor McGovern in free agency, which I think is a really good move for them. Uh, Chuma Doga is their right tackle from last year's draft. Uh, Makai Becton obviously George looks Fant. like a starter at left tackle. They signed George Fant, um, who you know might be able to slide around a little bit. Um, but Cameron Clark is going to be someone that's going to compete for a starting guard job in New York. Uh, the starting guards, according to ESPN at least, are listed as Alex Lewis and Greg Van Roten. Uh, neither of those names inspire a ton of confidence in me personally. Uh, if I'm wrong about that, feel free to tweet at me and I will happily go back and watch them. But I think Clark is going to compete for a starting job right away. And I think that he's going to help hold down that offensive line a little bit better. Obviously, protecting Sam Darnold is going to be a priority for them. Opening up, hole, opening up holes for Le'Veon Bell is going to be another priority for them. I think that Clark works really well in that framework. Uh, in the fifth round, the Jets went back to an injury-plagued player, uh, someone that Josh and I were pretty split on throughout the process. I actually won a bet off of this pick. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was Bryce Hall, the corner from Virginia in the fifth round. Love this pick. Um, Bryce Hall is an excellent player when healthy. 
the issue is that he's not healthy like ever um kind of reminds me of jason verrett in that sense um i didn't get to watch a ton of bryce hall and i'm a little bit on the younger side to have watched jason verrett coming out of tcu but i remember watching jason verrett with the chargers and he was really good when he was healthy he was just never healthy and that's been the story for him um so again i think hall kind of slid down the board because the circumstances were so weird not a lot of teams could get confirmed medicals on people especially guys that weren't able to go to all-star games and that sort of stuff and so he ends up here in the fifth round i think it's a great value for them if he's healthy he's gonna be a number one corner for them uh especially again looking at this depth chart there's really no barriers to the starting job for him unless you count pierre desir um which maybe you do. Pierre Desir has been around for a while. I, think I met he's a him quality... once. Oh, really? He was I think he's a quality third or fourth games. corner. Wow, that's cool. I think he's a quality third or fourth corner, though, despite <laughs> the fact that he's met Josh. Um, you know, so I think Bryce Hall has a pretty easy path to the starting job. It's just going to be about staying healthy for him. And then in the sixth round, the Jets got the best punter in this class. And that's Braden Mann. Um... I hate to keep talking about the Senior Bowl, but obviously like it was just such a great experience. We all loved it. So we talk about it over and over and over again. But Love. Braden Mann was at the Senior Bowl. And every time it's we looked over before practice started, he was kicking it like 70 yards on like every punt. No like joke. 60, 70 yards every single time. It was incredible. I don't, I don't think we saw him punt at the indoor practice that we got into. Um... But if he did, I'm sure he would have hit the ceiling just as many times as Tyler Bass did on some of those kickoffs. Because that he's got a cannon. And listen, make fun of special teams all you want. But a punter with a with that sort of cannon for a leg flips that flips the field like that and has the precision to coffin corner some of those punts, that makes a difference in the grand scheme of winning and losing games. If you can pin the opposing offense inside their own 20 most of the time it's a lot harder for them to move the ball to score points and so i i'm a big fan of it i'm also a degenerate though and i like <laughs> punters so you know make fun of me all you want but i thought it was a, i thought it was an excellent pick and so overall that class worked out excellent for them i think the jets are set up very well like i said it's just you know i want to see a little bit more consistency out of darnold Obviously, we can be all excited about all these picks all we want, but you know, you never know if they're going to pan out. We'll have to see. I think that the defense still needs a little bit of work, but I'm excited to watch this Jets team for the first time in a long time, I think. Um, so it is, it's an exciting time to be in New York, I think. I think so, too. And now, in my de- I'm going to go back to Bryce Hall for a second. In my defense, sure. when we made that bet, we had right. no idea of the pandemic that was going to happen and how we we both knew That's he was true. we both That's knew true. he was That's injured fair. right we both knew he was injured he was coming in injury prone i was making that bet assuming he was going to clear medicals at the right. combine and with teams That's true. We, not we knowing this... he would be unable to yeah, go through said we, medical rechecks we made the bet at the beginning of march which was like probably like two weeks before everything got locked down and just everything completely shut down. So I will give Josh that. 
You I'm couldn't not, have known I, that there was a global pandemic now, on the horizon. I'm not saying would he would have stopped Bryce Hall from getting confirmed medicals. It's I'm, okay. I'm not saying he would have. I would have. You know, 100 won the bet if he would have because you know this corner class was really good at the top. A lot of teams needed corners, but we saw a lot of really good ones. You know, fall around three, four, five, like Cameron Dantzler, Bryce Hall, etc. But I think I would have had a fighting chance if he wouldn't have if he would have had his medicals come back the way that I felt they were going to. Um, but you know, obviously, God decided to have this pandemic and screw me out of this bet, so it's fine. Yeah, if so, AJ uh, we gotta look out go for at pick sixteen. Then Bryce Hall could definitely go uh, before he actually did. Hey, thank you, Evan. Yeah, so be on the lookout for Josh's punishment article that will be out on WholeLineSports.com because he did lose the over-under bet from our March episode. I lost um, two out of the three. You did, yeah. The only one you didn't lose was I said there would be over 13.5 quarterbacks drafted, and there were 13 quarterbacks drafted. Yep. So and I said said there was going to be over 4.5 trades in the first round, and there were four. So, I mean, we had yeah. to, we, they, so, the only one that was, was on the inside was Bryce Hall. I mean, yeah. everything else was so pretty I, close. I think we set good lines for the time. You know, the bet was over under 64.5 for Bryce Hall draft position, basically whether or not he was going to go in the first two rounds. And I think, I think there was a pretty good chance if, you know, the world didn't end. That he <laughs> he would have been drafted so, closer to that line. So. Right, yeah. So, it's, you know, I think we set good lines. But do be on the lookout for Josh's punishment article that has to come out. Yeah, uh, I've got a lot of stuff coming out within the next couple weeks. So, Yeah, me too, man. Well, I'm excited. So <clears throat> that's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys for listening, as always. Make sure you go to wherever you're listening to this podcast. Leave us a five-star review. Tell us how much you love us. Uh, tell us how much... Tell us what your favorite draft class was and how excited you are for Josh's punishment article. Yeah. <laughs> um, Make sure you follow the show at WN Draft Pod on Twitter. We're approaching 100 I'm followers. I'm going to say, let's so get us to very, 100. Very exciting. Yeah, very exciting. Uh, you can follow me at Alex Katzen. That's Katzen with a K. Follow Josh at Joshberg0611. Follow Evan at WNS underscore Evan. Follow Whole Nine Sports at Whole Nine Sports. Go to Whole9Sports.com. Read all of our latest articles. Let us know what you think about them. I've got a nice article coming out on Friday. We're going to start a nice little uh, summer scouting series. It's going to be weekly. Uh, so Friday this week and then Thursday every week after that. I know Josh has got some good stuff in the pipeline. Evan's got some articles scheduled that we're really excited about. Uh, we've got a lot of good content coming out. Read everything that comes out on the site because it's all excellent content. I know because I edit all of it, so I have to read it. It's all good. <laughs> I promise you. All right. We will see you guys next time. Thank you guys for bearing with us as we've gone through this hiatus. Uh, we're happy to have you back, and we're excited for what's to come. And we will see you guys next time. <laughs>